If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's February 28th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got an executive brief for you this morning that is shaping America and the world. Today, I provide you with what the CIA calls an executive brief. We did this first back on January 19th when we discussed North Korea. It's a deep dive into an issue after a president gets their daily brief and they say, wait, I want to know more about that one specific issue. Well, today that issue is Ukraine. And here's why. Only 10% of Europeans say that Ukraine can win the war against Russia. Wait, why? What do they see that America's Congress and president don't see? As I briefed you on yesterday, there is a raging debate on Capitol Hill and the White House about the passage of a $60 billion war aid bill for Ukraine. In fact, the entire U.S. government might shut down because of this issue. But why would we do that when 90% of Europeans think that this war is a lost cause? Well, that is what we are going to explore this morning with what the people in Europe see that apparently Western leaders don't with profound impacts on you and your family. So with that, let's get on with it this morning to the executive brief. One week ago, the Times of London published the results of a poll asking residents throughout Europe a very simple question. Can Ukraine win the war against Russia? And that's pretty important for three reasons. First, it's important to consider because Europeans are much closer to this fight. Their press covers it much more frequently. So their views tend to be a little bit more informed than ours, generally speaking. Second, it's also important because yesterday, Dwight House hosted congressional leaders to talk about the looming government shutdown. And as Senator Chuck Schumer said yesterday, quote, the Ukraine debate was one of the most intense I have ever encountered in my many meetings in the Oval Office, end quote. Third, it's not just about the 60 billion in future war spending. Joe Biden and Congress have already spent upwards of 100 billion on this war already, like it or not. In other words, you are invested in this war. So with those three reasons in mind for why we should care, let's get to that question and answer. Can Ukraine win the war against Russia? And why do 90% of Europeans say no? Well, to unpack what they see, let's use a thought experiment. Let's imagine that we are at a boxing match with Ukraine in one corner and Russia in the other. Each fighter has coaches and supporters. Ukraine has, as you would guess, America and Europe in its corner. Russia, on the other hand, has China, India, and a slew of other nations, as you were about to see. Now, in this thought experiment, we are the audience. We are those Europeans who have been watching this fight up close and personal for a couple years now, and it has led 90% of us to believe that Kiev simply cannot win. So let's talk about what we see. First, let's look in one corner with Ukraine. Let's talk about three things that we are looking at this morning. First is leadership. Second, Ukraine's war machine that, you know, produces the material like tanks or drones. And third, we're going to talk about their military. 
And let's actually start there. Let's start about the state of the Ukrainian military. Well, we know this morning that Ukraine's military is in a state of exhaustion. As Reuters News Service and the New York Times have both reported, Kiev has lost 70,000 fighters killed in action, with another 100,000 wounded or otherwise combat ineffective. And that's a problem, because Ukraine's total number of soldiers that they have available is far less than 1 million, with a total national population of 30 million, give or take. So compare that to Russia, which has well over 1.3 million soldiers at its disposal, plus a total national population of 145 million. That is about five times the size of Ukraine. In other words, Moscow's bench of men that they can pull from far outweighs Kiev's. That's just a demographic reality. Now, to be fair, that does not mean that a smaller force simply can't win, but it does mean that Ukraine has a profound challenge of resourcing this war with bodies. And that has shown up on the battlefield. As but one example, the 59th Brigade in Ukraine has lost about 40% of its men, and they are unable to backfill with any new men. Meanwhile, their opposing Russian forces can and do backfill their losses, and that leads to situations like we recently saw in the city of Avdivka. The Washington Post reported that the Ukrainian fighters in that city, who were exhausted, outmanned, and outgunned, they retreated so quickly and chaotically that they left behind about 1,000 men. But let's ask, who exactly were those men in general? Well, based on European and American press accounts, we know that mostly these guys are from the poor and rural areas of Ukraine. And that's because they're stuck. They are unable to pay bribes to Ukrainian recruitment officers in the military to get out of service. But the wealthier men in Ukraine can and do bribe their way out of service. They either then flee abroad or hunker down in their apartments. But that's actually leading Ukraine's military to take some pretty drastic actions to find these guys. They're setting up checkpoints on major roads to grab people off the streets or out of their cars and force them into boot camp. Civilians are nicknaming these guys the people snatchers. Ukraine's military is doing this, by the way, because they have calculated that they need another 500,000 new soldiers to make up for the dead and the injured. So they're tracking down these guys inside of Ukraine and beyond. And here's something that you might not know. There are about 750,000 Ukrainian men who have fled abroad to places like Germany. And that is where Ukraine is hunting for soldiers this morning. And I should tell you, if they can't find them physically in places like Germany, they're tracking these guys down via their bank accounts. They're freezing these bank accounts until these guys return home. So the point is this, Ukraine's military is not in good shape. And because of demographic challenges, it won't be no matter how many people they try to seize in places like Germany or the bank accounts that they freeze. And maybe that's why President Zelensky and NATO members are starting to look at uh, some other options this morning. First, Mr. Zelensky announced late last week that Americans like you can join Ukraine's National Guard. You can be as young as 18 years of age or well into your 40s. The opportunity, by the way, is open to not just Americans, all foreigners can sign up. Which takes us to France. President Emmanuel Macron said yesterday that NATO countries should now consider deploying their forces to Ukraine. Let me emphasize that, say it a little bit differently. NATO countries like the United States should now send our forces to the front lines to directly fight the Russians. Well, the US and other European nations quickly ruled out Mr. Macron's idea yesterday, but not before Russia said that 
if uh, France's plan were to go through, that would be World War III. So that's the first of three issues that we are going to explore this morning about our Ukrainian fighter. That is the state of Ukraine's military. In short, not good. Next, we have the issue of the nation's war machine. That would include the production of basic ammo or artillery shells or advanced missile systems. And the upshot here is that Ukraine just doesn't have it and won't. So here's why. First, Ukraine doesn't have their own internal war machines or its factories that pump out large numbers of planes or tanks or ammo. That means that they have to rely almost wholly on outsiders, which we might call their coaches or supporters in places like Europe and the United States. But in Europe, they don't have the war factories either, or not many of them. As the Wall Street Journal, the AFP, and Bloomberg News all report, there are so few factories left in Europe that even if they were to dramatically boost their military spending, it wouldn't be enough, nor fast enough, to properly save Ukraine. Meanwhile, in the United States, we can't keep up either. We can't supply Ukraine and Israel and restock our own supplies for a possible war with China. Our factories just can't do it. And that reality is forcing Ukraine this morning to throw a Hail Mary of sorts with drones. Ukraine's new commander has recently said that the only chance for victory will come through innovation with technology like drones. And that might overcome Russia's overall manpower advantage. And that is why Kiev is building out its own domestic production capabilities this morning for drones, trying to produce one million this year. They also hope that they might be able to get some more advanced drones from the United States and Europe, which would be infused with artificial intelligence. For what it's worth, Bloomberg News reports that such is possible to get these advanced AI drones, but unfortunately, those won't get to the front lines until late spring or summer, maybe. And that takes us to our third final consideration this morning as we look at our Ukrainian fighter, and that is leadership of both the Ukrainian government and the military. So sadly, we've already touched on part of this issue this morning, and that's the issue of corruption. We now know that Ukrainian military officials have accepted bribes to let men escape from the country. And that continues as of this morning. Now, to be fair, Western powers are very much aware of this, and so too is President Zelensky. He will argue that he is trying to crack down with some success, but the problem is that Ukraine has been so corrupt for so long, it's virtually impossible to get rid of it, at least anytime soon. To the point, a Zelensky aide told Time magazine back in November that whatever anti-corruption efforts are in place in Ukraine right now, they're simply not working. Quote, people in government and military are stealing in this country like there is no tomorrow, end quote. But actually... That's not the worst of it in terms of poor leadership. The same Zelensky aide said to this Time reporter back in November that the president himself is utterly disconnected from the true state of his military. He often ignores reality and orders his commanders to take Russian positions when there are no Ukrainian troops left to do it. These guys are either dead or injured. And that confusion, that disagreement amongst the leaders, led to a big series of fights between the president and his top general in Ukraine, Mr. Valery Zaluzhny. Those fights then came to a head when the general admitted this past winter that the war was at a stalemate and that, quote, there will most likely be no deep or beautiful breakthrough, end quote. That absolutely outraged President Zelensky, 
he fired this guy for the assessment, no matter how honest it actually was. Instead, Zelensky put in a new, more compliant commander. He did that about three weeks ago. So getting back to our thought experiment, let's look again broadly at our Ukrainian fighter. We know this morning now that the military is in tatters or rotted out by corruption. There's also a lack of fresh men. The war machine in Ukraine is limited in both amount and ultimately impact. Also, we've got a leadership crisis with President Zelensky increasingly desperate, disconnected, and some would argue a bit dictatorial. And that is why, from a European perspective, that 90% of people in that continent are watching this morning and they are saying that Kiev simply cannot win. Although I should tell you, many Ukrainians are starting to feel the exact same way. A separate poll back in November showed that about 42% of Ukrainians said that they are now willing to negotiate a peace with the Russians to end this war. That number is up from just 29% less than a year ago. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. When we come back, we are going to talk about the other fighter in this boxing match. That's the Russians. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Please do enjoy the transcripts today with all the links to the underlying facts and data. For my other loyal listeners, I sure thank you as well. And I encourage you to do your part this morning and support the companies that support me. You will hear about them shortly. We'll be right back. Sarah out in Wyoming wrote me about jacemedical.com. Brian, she said, I decided to use Jace because my husband and I are retired and we are going on a trip. I'm so glad I did because we were nowhere near a doctor and I got a sinus infection, but I had my Jace antibiotic with me and I was set. Otherwise, my trip would have been ruined. I love this company. Well, Sarah, thank you for writing in. And I agree. Jace Medical provides life-saving prescription medications, plus medicines for blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes. So folks, if you are like Sarah and say traveling, or you just want this medication on the shelf, here's what you do. Go to jacemedical.com, that's J-A-S-E medical.com, fill out a very simple online form, and in no time flat, you are going to get those medications delivered right to your door. Now, in some cases, you'll have a quick phone call with one of their board-certified physicians to make sure you're getting exactly what you need. But regardless, go to jacemedical.com, that's J-A-S-E medical.com, and enter promo code right at checkout. Woo, you are going to get a great discount. Again, folks, that's promo code right at J-A-S-E medical.com. And do this today because there is no telling what tomorrow might bring. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Well, I don't know what special magic they put in Super Beats Heart Chews, but I am loving it. Just two little chews a day, and I get a shot of energy that I need, plus performance and endurance. But most especially, I get that heart-healthy energy that is so critical for me. And that's been true since I started with these Super Beats Chews just a couple of months ago. No pills to swallow, no ingredients to mix, just two little chews at breakfast, and I'm set. Also, this is great. 
If you pair Super Beets with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in these chews are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. So do what I did. Go to GetSuperBeets.com, that is B-E-E-T-S.com, and use promo code RIGHT. That'll get you a 30-day supply of Super Beets Heart Chews for free and 15% off your first order. So go to GetSuperBeats.com, use that promo code RIGHT, and get yourself that heart-healthy energy that you need and support for healthy blood pressure too. You are going to be so glad you did. Welcome back to The Right Report and this morning's special executive brief on Ukraine. We began this morning's episode with some poll results from the Times of London that showed that about 90% of Europeans do not believe that Ukraine can win this war against Russia. So the first half of this special brief focused on Kiev, along with its leadership, its war machine, and its military. Now we look at Russia, imagining in our thought experiment that Moscow is the other boxer, Let's start first with an assessment of Russia's military. As we now know, Russia can lose a lot more men than Ukraine and still be victorious. That's because they've got a much larger overall population of men and a much bigger army. To be clear, though, that does not mean that Moscow has not been absolutely beat up during this war. They have. The numbers are just jaw-dropping. At least 120,000 men have been killed in action. Another 180,000 are combat ineffective from injuries. And it's not just the numbers that are important here. It's the type of men that have been killed and injured. Some of their best, most elite fighters are now off the battlefield forever, including many of their trainers. And that matters because in the medium to long term, the Russian military will likely be less effective. New recruits will be taught by less qualified or otherwise less experienced leaders. But that aside, the big takeaway is that Russia can keep throwing more men at this fight for a very long time. And that, by the way, also includes hiring mercenary groups like the Wagner Group that we discussed last summer. Next, let's talk about the Russian war machine, which of course is Moscow's ability to produce things like tanks and missiles and ammunition. And there is a big difference here as compared to our fighter in Ukraine. Uh, Folks, recall that Kiev has little to no domestic ability to build its own war material. But that is not true with the Russians. Moscow has a network of 6,000 companies inside of that nation to help them build and deploy their weaponry. And that has proven to be very effective. In fact, military planners in both Europe and the United States have been pretty surprised about how effective those factories have been. Quote, their production is a lot higher than we ever expected. End quote. By the way, that quote was from the Estonian defense minister. But for the sake of argument, let's assume that some of Russia's factories were to be knocked offline. Well, lucky for them, they've got some great friends to help out. First, they've got the North Koreans. As listeners may recall, I briefed you on how Pyongyang provides artillery shells and ballistic missiles to Russia. Second, there's Iran. Leaders in the capital city of Tehran are shipping Moscow weapons that include ballistic missiles, drones, and other war material. Finally, there's China. Now, it's true that Beijing isn't sending much in the way of weaponry. Instead, they're helping with the Russian economy. So here's what we know. Overall trade between Beijing and Moscow hit a new record last year of $240 billion, mostly related to oil. China is also pitching in by keeping alive some of Russia's steel and aluminum plants, plus nickel mines. Their automakers have also swooped in, providing new vehicles to the Russian people. 
Next, let's talk about the Indian government. They are helping the Russian economy too. Leaders in New Delhi have ordered their oil companies and refineries to snatch up as much Russian oil as possible. And they have. India has faced criticism for doing this, by the way. But New Delhi actually got a pass to do this from the West. Their purchases can actually avoid global sanctions against the Russians. Which takes us to a little bit of additional intel this morning about how exactly the Russian fighter that we see in this boxing ring can keep things going in the face of these massive Western sanctions. To quickly refresh our memories here, just after Russia invaded eastern Ukraine a couple of years ago, Joe Biden and fellow leaders in Europe promised that they would crush Russia's economy through economic sanctions. But that hasn't happened. The global consensus is that the sanctions have failed. And there's a lot of debate about why that is true, from loopholes to lazy enforcement, from uh, secret fleets of oil tankers to secret buyers of tech gear in the Middle East and Europe. But here's the bottom line. Russia is managing their war economy, which of course is fueling their war machine. And they've got a lot of cash reserves built up that can last that country for many more years to come. And that takes us to our final consideration of the morning as we look at our Russian fighter, and that is leadership. Now, this one's pretty easy, unfortunately. Russians largely view this war as one where NATO forces are the aggressors, and they largely support Vladimir Putin's plan to stop them. Now, there is some polling and anecdotal stories that suggest there might be a little bit of growing discontent, but for the most part, Russians are all in, and they're feeling pretty confident this morning. And that, folks, concludes the facts and data this morning about why 90% of Europeans think that Kiev simply cannot win this war. Before I pivot to my analysis and opinion, let's recap, shall we, what we have covered this morning. Let's start first with Ukraine. We now know that we have a leadership problem in Kiev. President Zelensky is under fire by his own aides for not fully understanding the desperate shape of his military. Nor is he really being honest with the West about the corruption that exists within his country and his own administration. Next, his military, we know this morning, is small and being just absolutely torn up. Ukraine, we know, also is far short of the soldiers that they need to keep up this fight. And now, even the government is trying to chase down its men who have fled to other parts of Europe. We also know that the Ukrainian war machine is virtually non-existent. They have no real domestic industry to produce things like tanks or planes or artillery shells. Now, it is true that the Ukrainians are trying to create their own drones, for instance, to innovate and stay alive. But that little glimmer of hope aside, they are deeply reliant on both the U.S. and Europe, neither of which have a lot of spare capacity to offer. On the other hand, let's recap what we know about the Russians. As we learned this morning, their military has been hit absolutely hard, with hundreds of thousands either dead or wounded, but they have been able to absorb those losses because of the much bigger size of their army and their overall population. Plus, they've got some help from mercenary groups like the Wagner Group. Next, the Russian war machine is in fairly good shape. The 6,000 companies that operate inside of Russia, they are cranking out some pretty tremendous amounts of war materiel. Plus, what they can't make? Well, the North Koreans and the Iranians are happy to provide. And Moscow is able to pay those guys because the Russian economy, although battered by sanctions, has survived. They are getting boatloads of cash from the sale of oil, diesel, gas, and other agricultural products from countries like China, India, the Middle East, and beyond. So that is why, taken together, 
I think that we now understand why 90% of the people in Europe believe that Ukraine cannot win this war against Russia. But are they right? Well, let's talk about that, pivoting to analysis and assessment and opinion right after this next break. We'll be right back. It's probably the morning time when you're listening to this, but we need to talk about tonight. And that's because you need a good night's sleep. So get yourself a ghost bed for Pete's sake. It's the company that I think makes the finest mattresses in all of America. And you know that's true because I own one. I have the Lux model and boy, do I like it. But they've got other models too. There's a classic, also that fancy massage bed. And then there's the 3D Matrix, which as ever sounds really scary, but I want one. But no matter the model you choose, buy one. These mattresses are built with high quality materials and fine craftsmanship. And you are going to feel both when these things are delivered right to your doorstep. And as ever, folks, they have a 101-day trial period with free returns. So, folks, get yourself a ghost bed and get 50% off when you do. Go to ghostbed.com slash right. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. And get that 50% off. Again, that's ghostbed.com slash right. And get ready. Because once that bed arrives, you are going to be off to a great night's sleep. I guarantee it. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome back to The Right Report. We pivot now from faction data to my analysis and opinion on this executive brief about the war in Ukraine. Well, when I look for wisdom and guidance on challenging situations and assessments like this, I like to go to the founding fathers. And I want to tell you about one and some wisdom he offered us a long time ago. In the year 1770, there was a trial in a British-controlled colony in America. The lead defense attorney was closing out his final arguments, and he offered these next words, quote, Facts are stubborn things, and whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passions, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence, end quote. Those words were spoken by John Adams. Nearly 30 years after he offered those words in defense of his client, he would become America's second president. It is my belief this morning that his words and his wisdom are sadly lost on most of America and Europe this morning, at least our leaders. And that's because the facts and evidence are very clear here. Ukraine cannot win this war, despite the wishes and passions of its supporters. And actually, the Pentagon secretly agrees. They predicted last spring that Ukraine's summer offensive would fail and the war would then become a stalemate. And now, with all the facts and data presented to us this morning, we know why. Ukraine has inescapable problems with their leadership, their military, and their war machine. But that begs the question, doesn't it? If leaders in D.C. and Europe secretly know that this war is futile in terms of a, an actual Ukrainian victory... What's really going on? What explains this rabid commitment to what is a losing war? Why not choose peace? Well, as reasonable people debate this, here's what I would offer you. Back in March of 2022, Joe Biden said in a speech in Poland 
that Vladimir Putin had to go. He had to be removed from power. His U.S. Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, echoed the exact same view about a month later. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about regime change. That is what the ultimate goal is here. And knowing that, things start to make sense. The goal in Washington, D.C. and Europe is to use your taxpayer dollars, plus the sacrifice of hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian men, to ultimately weaken Putin, his economy, and his military. And then when he is at his weakest, we either invade Russia or inspire a revolution by some disgruntled Russian military or intelligence leaders. But if that is the plan, if we are to believe Mr. Biden's public statements about regime change, folks, it leads to one very clear outcome that we need to know. It means that the United States and Europe will eventually deploy our militaries to Ukraine. And that's because, as we now know this morning, Kiev is simply going to run out of men to fight. And I think that is why the French president floated this idea yesterday of sending in NATO forces to Ukraine. Perhaps we could call it a trial balloon. It was designed to get you and others eventually comfortable with this idea that our sons and daughters must die in Ukraine. And that is certainly a reason for all of us to care about this story this morning and this big fight on Capitol Hill about funding it. But let's put aside my assessment, shall we? Instead, let's pay attention to the fact that 90% of European people believe this morning that Ukraine cannot beat Russia. I would encourage us to listen to those voices. They are seeing and hearing something very important about a war in their backyard. And that is that the war is lost, no matter our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passions. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your special executive brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.